0: Powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios in California, it's episode 222 222 of The Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Tony Pilato to the show. And as always, The Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Degos Ray Cigars introduced another chapter of the saga, the Saga Celeste. Saga is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. The Saga Celes is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celes carries a blend of Criollo Allure and Piloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade clara wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celes. And by Perdomo Cigars, Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand is consistently earning the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars, is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Estate Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And I want to mention Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Jalapanesli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of our JFR, JFR Lunatic Guardian of Forma Casa Fernandez cigars, you will experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganarsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganarsa Leaf. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app, via mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. Available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California studios for the Primetime Show. And welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode 222. This is uh, Will Cooper here on a Thursday night, March 10th, in the Podombo Scott Studios. Nice to have everyone aboard here. Um, and of course, I'm joined uh, across country by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How are you doing tonight, Will? Baseball's back, baby. I mean, how how exciting is that? Uh, yeah, it's good news. It's good news. It's good news. Um, when is the season? We know when actually we're going to see a start to the season. I though? saw somebody said April seventh, but that seemed too early to me.
1: So I don't know if there's it, been a date that's been set.
0: That seems very early. I'm thinking a week later was what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, to get like a full spring, you know, to, I don't. I guess they're do a condensed spring training at this point. Maybe it's a week four, it, it, seventh would be four weeks from today. So that's about. That, that right.
1: seems. I don't know. Seems tight.
0: Yeah, it does seem tight. That's that's what I'm saying. Unless they're gonna they're chop a week off, uh for sure. So um, and you know it's interesting, uh, Aaron. There's still some free agents to like land, right? So there's a lot of free agents that are. Yeah, gonna, gonna be gonna, a, it's gonna be crazy this next week. It's gonna be crazy. I mean, I think the big one everyone's gonna be looking at is Freddie right now. Yeah. Uh, and you know I think he. I don't think there's a confidence level. He's going back to Atlanta. So right. uh, we'll see what happens though. But yeah. Um, Cause I don't even know when we would do the show at this point because mm-hmm. of, um, we don't know when the season's starting yet. So right, I started thinking about that. I'm like, well, I don't know yet, but, uh, but uh, it's good news. I'm excited um, because I was, I, about a week ago, I was pretty despondent that this, we weren't going to see baseball until August. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, did, I didn't want to have to start watching basketball too. Has not been bad? The, the, I, I can't watch. I can't watch the NCAA. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm probably the only one in America. It's like all those games are the same. It's like it comes down to the last two minutes of a bunch of fouls, and I'm like, yeah. I can't. I can't get into that, you know. Right. Yep. So I'm like, I'm probably the only one who doesn't do brackets and get into it. Um, that's just me. So, uh, but no. Uh, good to have. Uh, good to have your board um so Aaron I guess let's bring him in right now um he's coming back to the primetime show and um probably at a really good time there's a lot of good things happening um great to notice guy um I think I know him now 10 years this year um it just seems like I met him yesterday but he's the one and only Tony Bellotto Tony welcome to primetime
2: what's happening guys how are you
0: how are you doing good. my friend
2: good and yeah I think it has been 10 Coop. I think I was like you were the first, I think I've said this before, but you were like one of the first people that ever did any press on, on La Barba. And I think you're the first show I ever went on when I, when I released this yeah. thing that would become a cigar brand.
0: No. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, like I said, I kind of always remember that too. Kind of the other way around is like, you kind of gave me the opportunity, you know, and at the time it was unique because I guess you, you were, originally you had started working in Honduras with Christian before you kind of moved over, um, a couple years later but certainly um you know you've done a lot and it just seems like it was yesterday that we we met and that article came out which it's hard to believe so i'm uh yeah very excited uh but first of all how are you doing personally i mean um good you do the pandemic and everything
2: yeah i mean i don't know when the last time we talked but i bought a house in the middle of nowhere um,
0: yeah, I think you did a show for. I think you may have. That was the last time we had an okay. affair, actually. You did
2: that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I've, I've been doing that and, you know, working on some new projects and just on the road and, you know, doing my thing. That's Having good. good
0: That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, and um, I guess let's kind of get into it. I guess the, you know, the big news coming out of uh, last week. Um and Tony, this was weird, right? And Aaron, I don't even think I told you this. I was just kind of looking for some guests, right? And I mentioned your name and I didn't know that the PR was sitting in my 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 folder when I messaged Aaron. But by the time Aaron messaged me back, I had already seen that you had made the announcement about, about the new company. So it was kind of like That's why I kind of put that in there. Hey, let's let's do a show. <laughs> it was just kind of yeah. It was just kind of weird timing, kind of. It was just one of those things. But I actually think it was like, I think by the time, Aaron, you responded, I already had the press release. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is good timing. So uh appreciate you coming on. So Tony, tell us about this new venture.
2: Uh, well, it's the 10th year. It's the 10th anniversary of me, you know, being on the manufacturing side of the cigar business. Um, and it's my dad's 50th anniversary being in the cigar business and generally started in 1972. So, you know, we kind of, I kind of made a decision to uh, this was a while ago, but, you know, it's come, coming to fruition now. I kind of made the decision to step out outside of the box of La Barba um, and to do 100% my own thing without any, anybody else. So just, okay. you know, uh, my palate, you know, La Barba was kind of a vanguard of, of everyone, um, when we started, I did, you know, I did a lot of work with Robert and I did work with Christian Henderson and, you know, this, this new project we're heading into is more of a, my folks on my palette, my dad's palette, the people that we know in the business. And it's kind of a celebration of that, um, those milestones, not that LeBard was going anywhere or anything like that. It's just that I'm ending the chapter, um, with, one more release of La Barba and then that will stay as a core line and I'll maintain the production and oversee the, the quality control of that still. But uh, all the new stuff is going to be under the the Blotto moniker, the Blotto brand, because I wanted to get back to, um, you know, what I remember about my dad in cigars and me growing up with cigars. So one of the, for example, one of the wrappers we're going to use if it, if it can happen, um, one of them I'm working on is, is a real Cameroon, and you know, that's incredibly expensive, mm. but I remember that cigar, my dad smoked eight, five, eight Fuentes and they were at the time, 25 cents, but I, that's all he smoked was Cameroon. And I remember that smell. So I can like pick it out of a room anywhere. And I've always wanted to make a cigar from camera, real African Cameroon tobacco. It's just that, you know, La Barba really never had a, a place for it, if that makes any sense. You know, we did our our core lines with La Barba, you know, San Andres uh, Mexican Maduro, did a Habano with the purple, did a Corojo with the red, um, Sun Grown with the blue, and then the the last edition, um, which was supposed to be out already, but due to everything, which you guys I'm sure know, um, has been pushed back and pushed back just because of boxes and bands and tobacco, but it will be a, a Connecticut shade. So it rounds out the La Barba portfolio and then this new project, I'm, a, I'm going to be a little bit more experimental. Um, but then I'm offering, you know, some Coraline stuff in there as well at, at good price points.
0: Right. That's kind of where it started,
2: if, if that answers your question at all without me being redundant.
0: No, no, no. I think that's good. So so kind of, if I had to kind of say, so LaBarbera, you're going to kind of complete that as a brand, like a brand, but it's not going away. It's going to continue to be regular production. Correct. um but now the newest stuff after this Connecticut release comes out will be on Bellotto. correct okay um okay that I mean I guess so that's kind of and guess I guess the other change I noticed too is you mentioned this already um your dad's coming into this right so for folks who may not know like your dad's background or your background because I know even before La barber you guys have a history in the business maybe you can give folks a little idea about that.
2: Yeah, so my dad, uh, I'm actually third generation in the business. Um, second second generation in, in premium cigars, really. Uh, my grandfather started with a book and newsstand um, in Youngstown, Ohio in 19 in the late 1960s, I'm not sure. But my dad came aboard in 72. Um, and my dad was into premium cigars, but they kind of were like at the time it was an afterthought at the at the new book and newsstand you know he sold books newspapers gum candy cigarettes that kind of thing um and premium cigars weren't really a thing um a big thing for my grandfather's business until my dad came and he was a big cigar guy um and he put back then he put fuente Ashton if Ashton was around whatever was around at the time premium cigar wise he put in and I remember him telling me a story they went to the RTDA which is now the PCA um, in the early 70s late early to mid 70s and they the first funny part of the story is they drove a station wagon because they thought whatever they bought at the trade show they were taking home with them <laughs> they didn't get the idea that you ordered and then they sent stuff out later Right. Um, but They also it was it used to be in a hotel and i believe it was at the marquee um the marriott marquee in times square i think that's where where this this specific show was but my dad tells a story my dad is is carlito fuente's age and my grandfather was carlito's dad's age okay so my dad told me the story about that each one of the trade show booths was a suite or a hotel room on a floor in the hotel I would go hotel room to hotel room, Um, and he said that he was in that booth, uh, the the Fuente booth for three hours and not one person walked in back then, so it was a very different you know climate in the industry for what people even knew what you know a premium cigar was. It was it was a completely different world, Um, but anyway, I I came in, um, and started working uh, for my dad in two thousand three ish. Um, And then I opened up my own store in 2005 uh, while I was going to school to be sommelier. Um, I graduated from that and added a craft beer wine program and a a cigar bar to my store um, in Youngstown. And then in 2012 is when I started the La Barba project. So it's kind of a a short recap.
0: Right. No, and uh, you know, I want to just kind of go back to the a second. You really didn't never rush that growing that brand is what I've noticed. You've been, you know, it's 10 years and you have four core lines, right? Yes. Which, you know, a lot of people, they would have, you know, I've seen like a couple of companies they have 11 smaller size than you. Right. Um, but it seems like you guys, you have been specifically very meticulous and careful about that type of growth. Am I, am I, Am I reading that right?
2: I'm a control. I'm a control freak.
0: Okay. <laughs> um,
2: I don't want to feel like a, things are out of control. Um, this this new Bellato project's stressing me out because I have like there is like eleven or twelve of them that I'm going to do within the next couple of years. So it's like I'm trying to like keep my head around everything that I'm that's going on. But uh, yeah, the the Labarba uh, growth was meant to be organic and it was meant to sustain itself so that I knew what product was out there all the time Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's you know it's it certainly hasn't made it a gigantic endeavor you know it's it's still a very small craft um company and i like it that way because again i'm a control freak and i want to make sure that the cigar that you're smoking is exactly the cigar I intended you to smoke, right? And that's going to continue with Bar- with Bilotto, and now I'm just better at it because when I right. started, I was I was 30 years old, you know what I mean? So it's like I had no idea what I was doing. So I was like, I know that this is La Barba red, and this is the blend, and this is what I'm doing. And then I made sure that that was perfect, and then purple and the same thing, and then the Ricochets, so on and so forth. So that's the the kind of the ethos that the barba held
0: right right no i think it's been a like i said i think it's been a uh a, a good journey for you um i'm actually smoking like one of your og uh yeah, reds uh so we'll get well i know we'll talk about what we're smoking a little bit but but uh i can tell you these are very con- the, the red has always been a very consistent carajo that i've gotten on this over the years um and, the age, and they ate and i can tell you that definitely this is probably the most aged one i've smoked and it's it's smoking to start really good, so um, I, I do. I kind of have appreciated what you brought to the table with with that. Um, and you know, Bear, our colleague, he's he loves the you know, the crew Maxi Soul. I mean, that's it was his cigar of the year, so yeah, uh, I have the, the
2: my little <laughs> award right behind yeah. me there somewhere. So, it's the only so, award I've ever had, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, funny story, Tony. Um, Bear's kind of like what we all have our quirky ways of doing a list, right? And they're not bad, That's not that bad thing. So the way I did predict that that was going to be Bear's cigar to year, um, because what he does is it's like what he like the hint is what he smokes the most, and what he and what and he tends what he smokes he shares, so you know we ship we send each other packages sometimes the cigars, and I was getting every month like crew Mexi souls from him right. I said I I it's got to be one. I said it's got to be number one because I was every and. What's funny, Packages are
2: heavily weighted with (laughs) one through 25.
0: So before the show, I said, well, let me go grab one of those. I actually, I think I've actually smoked through them all that he gave me. So, um, I mean, I'm not complaining about smoking this red, but yeah, that was, uh, that was bear. Yeah. He, uh, he loves that cigar. So it's a good cigar. So, uh,
2: ironically, did you hear the story? I didn't even like, we were like doing this Texas blitz and I didn't have time to call anybody i had no idea where i was going and i was riding with my sales guys and it was like it's one of those trips where it's like you know uh i saw that you've been all over the place the past couple of months so you know um, yeah what's you yeah know. and i had no idea like if i was in dallas or houston or san antonio i was just in the car like just going to stores and i walked in and i was like oh it's fair and he's like what are you doing here <laughs> And he was just sitting on the couch smoking a cigar. And he said, well, what are you, I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, I'm just along for the ride. I'm just walking <laughs> in the cigar store. So then he was like, hey, you got 15 minutes. I didn't get a chance because I had an early flight at the show. Um, I couldn't be there for the last day. I, had to, I flew out the night before. I had to get back here for something. And he was going to present me with the award on the final day of the trade show, but I missed them. So he's like, can you or are you going to be here for like 20 minutes? And I was like, yeah, let's smoke a cigar. So he ran home, got the award, brought it back, and we had a cigar together. And it was just a random runner. So that was the funny
0: story. There go. There you go. So no, that that's, I know it's true. I know that's all true. Uh, <laughs> he was like, I said, how did you know he was going like, to, did you know he was going to be there? Cause he showed me a picture. He's like, Oh no, I had to run home and get the thing. <laughs> he said, and I think he was still living in his old house. Like had he been living in his new house, he probably wouldn't have been able to do that because his new house is pretty far from, uh, the shop so well, he was
2: there and back in like 20 minutes yeah so I, I mean but he the, like he has a, a plane he, or a helicopter
0: i think it's like 30 minutes out the new house so it would have been an hour so yeah i think it was this was before christmas
2: i think so yeah yeah
0: yeah that's why yeah he moved after christmas on that so okay timeline so you got out of town in vegas before caldwell left the booth like that <laughs> yes I did. <laughs> that was a quick answer I, did. I, did. <laughs> I i noticed how you slipped out no because actually it was we were planning on giving you the award like we we do walk around with awards right and we never save them until the last day right but you guys i think we we're, we're busy the two times we were there and then we and then he goes there and he like you should sure? like i think they're gone <laughs>
2: so well, th- I, the, the unfortunate thing for me is they're Cleveland to Las Vegas on a flight that I know is going to make it. And I'm not going to get stuck somewhere Is frontier. And they have a, like, they only have returning a midnight flight. So I was either going to leave the day, the, the final day of the trade show at midnight and not get home until seven in the morning, the following right. day, or leave the the evening of the second to last day of the show. So that the same thing happened to me at TPE. I didn't make the last day because it's like, I can't – that extra day turns into, like, me missing an entire yeah. two days, three days. Yeah. So, yeah. I missed the shenanigans. So,
0: so, we know now when we're giving you awards and you're going to be rocking up, I'm sure, more awards. Uh, we'll make sure those awards are not saved for the last day at any of these things.
2: Yes, I usually, unfortunately, have to leave the day before.
0: No, no, that's day. it. That's okay. So, uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna I was gonna bust in you guys a little about leaving early, um, over this. Right. But, uh, it sounded like you, okay, you were not, uh, you had a legitimate reason. So.
2: Yes, I actually did have a
0: reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't feel, and I told you there were like two awards of people who were there the last day that I didn't give out. So it, it was, uh, we had, uh, you know, it was just, it's, it's tough to do that sometimes. So, but that's, that's all good. Um, and, um, to say the least, um, I'll I'll ask it right now. Will you be back at the trade show this year?
2: Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, are you gonna be squatting again, you guys, or are you gonna be? Uh, what's What's the plan with that?
2: I actually, am, I will have my own space.
0: Okay. This year. I don't think that da- I don't.
1: Guys, I don't think uh, Tony's dad would allow such shenanigans.
2: Well, my dad, <laughs> my, my dad's not coming. He won't. Oh, okay. Yeah, he won't. Uh, I have to do triple duty while I'm there. He's okay. Oh, his, his role is to, to smoke things and yell at me right you know, the phone because he bought he just moved he bought a house in naples uh, so he's yeah. back from here to florida and he's like you know retired but get, like he's italian so basically his role is to like this thing sucks do something else <laughs> and then i give him something else it's like this is good get more of these that's basically how that goes right right then you're, he's you're... Done, yeah he's done with the uh the trade show <laughs> uh, that's uh but yes yeah, so he would not he would not allow shenanigans uh the booth the reason why i just i have a separate booth is because i have la barba uh the Bolatto stuff and then lost and found will be between both booths and then rob has called well and lost and found and we just don't there's too much to happen in one space, right,
0: basically. right, right. No, I think I think that makes uh, I think that makes good sense for you guys on that. You know, with the Bolado piece, um are you gonna? Is the plan to continue to work with Henderson, or are you gonna be working with some other factories?
2: Both. Um, okay, I, like one of the uh, for kind of a test run. when I'm smoking now was it was I mean, like I was only able to do 50 uh, boxes, so it was kind of a. A, a store exclusive for my dad. Um, but Henderson's dad, we basically kept the smaller factory that we're, we were in before he moved into the larger factory that we're now in, in, in uh-huh. Chi Blanco's, Zona Franca. So the factory where the original La Barba was rolled is still there and Henderson's father, William, and his buddies kind of use it as their playground. You know, they just kind of, they make like this cigar I'm smoking is a Connecticut Des Florado. So they took the, uh, the flower off the, off the leaf on a Connecticut shade where they usually leave on. Um, so you can see it's like really dark, but it's, it's actually a Connecticut wrapper. Right. So they have all these, and it's, it's eight years old. So they have all this stuff that they've been playing with. Um, and they haven't been really, they haven't been releasing it to the public. So, we're kind of shifting, I'm shifting towards working with Henderson's father at that factory. I mean, it's still the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. We still are all the same, Um, but we're gonna kind of make some of the Blotto stuff there um, as well as some other factories that my dad um, has relationships with. And it's gonna be more of a all over the place kind of thing rather than a focused factory.
0: Right, right, and you and you said there's a lot of releases planned. So I'm assuming a lot of this is small batch that you're gonna have. I don't, I can't see releasing a dozen core lines in the next two years.
2: Uh, there's going to be seven core. Wow. Lines.
0: Okay, that's a that's a lot for you. That's why I'm I, that's why I'm I'm, yeah. a little, if I'm a little surprised. That's why.
2: Yeah, but they're all it's all stuff that I've been working on since I started that have okay. that have been kind of like this wouldn't work for La Barba for whatever reason, or this would be too expensive for La Barba, or Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be enough. You know what I mean? I have, but one of the releases is going to be like a $6, $7, $8 cigar that wouldn't really fit in La Barba's portfolio. You know, it's kind of an everyday cigar, but it never really fit in La Barba's portfolio stuff. So I kind of, you know, I had that shelved. And then there are some other blends that I use that are going to be in the $15 to $17 retail range that also really wouldn't fit um, in the La Barba portfolio. So I have these things that are kind of shelved that I never released during my 10 years that I'm just kind of revisiting blend wise and and trying to put those pieces together. So I have the pieces put together. Um, It's just timing and releasing them when they're ready and and when the boxes and bands and all the frilly stuff is is ready to go. so yeah, it is a lot for me, but it's, they are, they're all, it's all stuff that I have been working on over, over a period of time that just hasn't fit in that, in the of a box.
0: Okay. No, I guess that, that makes some sense as well. Um, you know, and cause I know, yeah, I know you've spent a lot of time down in the factory that's why. I, and, uh, you know, I know you've come up with stuff from time to time. You did the, you know, the, the couple of the limited you did, the, the one and only's, um, those were fun cigars too. um, so siempre, but yeah. I
2: had siempre for a little bit. I miss really,
0: that cigar. I miss that. So that was a connect. That was Connecticut you did.
2: Mm-hmm. That was a good. Cigar. So that's gonna be. That was the base for Ricochet Connecticut. Only okay. Ricochet Connecticut has a little. Has Nicaraguan tobacco in it. It's okay. basically the same fillers as Ricochet with a Connecticut wrapper. Mm-hmm. But the same wrapper binder that was on siempre. It's very close, but a little bit. It's more of a stronger yeah. Connecticut. Yep. But that blend will probably come back in the Bolado. Nice. um portfolio nice. i had i also did a siempre habano siempre nicaragua uh siempre madura nicaragua so i did a a, a, a couple things with that brand that never really you know took off because it was just so new that it never really worked
0: right but now you have an opportunity to kind of maybe rework some of that stuff if you want to right mm-hmm. so okay so can i guess the color of the band on the connecticut yeah white bingo yeah. <laughs> it, to me, because I could just see that. Yeah. I could just see the, the, but I could see that matte finish on the white, you know, would really look nice. That's why. Yeah. And gold. Yeah. Yep. Believe it or not. Wow. Oh. Dude.
2: So did, I told you the Ninja Turtle thing that I didn't realize, right? No. Somebody told me that they, they like, no, they didn't. Tell, I was watching a uh, documentary. I got on, it now. I don't know if you saw it on Netflix. There was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle documentary. And it was about the toys and how the toys were actually made to market or the cartoon was actually made to market the toys or, you know, something about that. Same with I can't remember the other Transformers or one of those like they made the they made the cartoon to market the toys. But it was a documentary on the turtles. And I was like, like, wait a minute. Like red, orange, (laughs) purple. Blue and I was like, "Those are the turtles' colors." <laughs> so I didn't even realize that I had released Ninja Turtle cigars until I watched
0: that. <laughs> I I would not have known that, Uh but yeah, there, there you go. It, it does make some sense there. I I can see it now. Uh, so we'll, we'll expect to see the Bellato stuff, I guess, before the trade show, or at yeah. the trade show, at the trade show, I should say.
2: Yeah, right around, and I'm hoping you know within the next.
0: The cigars are
2: done. So I'm just waiting on packaging for, for the first uh, release. Um, I'm hoping to have two by the trade show, two things released, but I will keep you apprised of the situation as it develops.
0: No problem at all. No, I appreciate it as well. Um, any pushback on the logo kind of having that Dunhill feel to it? If you I think it has a Dunhill feel,
2: I didn't even think about it until I, I think that, uh, Casey in Florida commented that it looked like Dunhill and then I went back and looked at the Dunhill logo and I was like oh it kind of does I, I didn't know and it even didn't even,
0: was out there that's why i asked.
2: I didn't even think about it I just it just we made the logo and I was like that's amazing that's exactly what I wanted so I don't know if you heard anything Yeah,
0: no, I have I okay. haven't I haven't yeah, I didn't
2: I didn't even think about
0: it no but they're not making cigars anymore right so it's I don't I don't know Was that Aaron was that logo used more on the cigarette end actually. Uh
1: that I can't say. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah. Okay. No, I was just I was just curious. Like I said, when when the comment was made, I and normally I pick this stuff up, Tony. In this case, I did. So so until it, might I said, been,
2: it might have been, you know, very well it might have been one of those like, you know, I had that in the, in my head yeah. somewhere, and that's yeah. that's how what it ended up. Subliminal. Out, like yeah, like yeah. subliminal,
0: like you know. Yeah, I, I could see that too. Yeah,
2: in my yes. in my mind, it just looked very smooth and clean and,
0: mm-hmm. and yeah, perfect
2: for me. I think.
0: Right. So you know, if you're if you're buying, like you're still under uh, down and back. So basically, mm-hmm. you could order all your stuff through down and back, which is the distri- which is the distribution company. Yeah. So. Well.
2: Yeah, so down and back is doing the distribution as. They have with la barba lost and found any anything that i've done um so essentially if you have an account with with them or me already then mm-hmm. it's it's the same the same process
0: okay makes sense um aaron you had a question from the, on the, some of the ricochet stuff yeah i mean tony had mentioned a little bit before
1: about the connecticut kind of being delayed due to kind of normal supply chain issues, but um, the Lanceros kind of were announced as something that might've been coming out in February. So you had the Oscuro and the Connecticut. Is that just still the kind of same issues for both of the Lanceros just kind of supply chain thing at the moment, or did did they get, did they come out?
2: Those should be, I think they should, they are, they should have either shipped this week, Rob and Trevor, so that basically the entire operation Mm -hmm. uh they went to dr this week
1: okay so either i don't
2: think they got them out before they left for dr but they're they're like in the pipeline somewhere there i know they're in miami and i know they're stickered Um, okay so so any day
1: out
2: yeah they're in the pipeline okay but logistically i don't know where at sure so i'll find out um probably monday when they get back okay
0: nice nice Nice. that'll be good and you said it was the escuro and the um connecticut connecticut okay yeah
2: so it's kind of like an end cap to ricochet Escuro, and then another beginning for the Connecticut.
0: Right. Right. Got that. Got that. That's cool. We, you mentioned, um, lost and found. And. Let me kind of, kind of let me kick this one off because when, you know, I think when you were on last time I had, I had written my article. Right. And I said, basically, I think lost and found was, was like the biggest story of the decade because it, it, kind of started this whole new channel from maybe getting cigars to market, you know, going into the factories and getting stuff. You guys were doing some innovative stuff with the packaging and all that. And I and I, and I still stand by it. I think that was, that's really good. And it's kind of now transformed into this decade, but I think since you've been on the show, the narrative has changed a lot, right? Because some of the stuff you were doing with the packaging now is, is very much under, under scrutiny, right? Um, and I think it's I don't look at it. I think what you guys were doing a few years ago, it wasn't the eyes weren't put on the same. But what I've noticed, Tony, is you guys have changed lost and found in the last year and a half to two years. I think think the brand changed a lot. And I want to know if you could talk through some of those changes maybe and see if it's the things I'm thinking in my head with that.
2: So, I mean, with lost and found, when we started, you know, again, this, you know, it's kind of like, you know, for, for me and, and for lost and found, La Barba and, you know, not to speak for Rob, but I will speak for him. And I think that yeah. w- we've uh, grown up, you know, and this, that my 10th anniversary and Rob's is coming up with, with Caldwell Cigar Company um, the next two years. Um, we've realized a lot of things. And when we were first, you know, to market with the uh, the concept of loss and found, we really didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And, you know it was intended to be a fun project and we never thought it would do what it would what it would do right. but we you know we had you know a year and a half ago um we had a meeting and it was you know it might have been two years ago i have no concept of time because of the coronavirus but before before coronavirus so whenever that was we had a meeting and it was what is the next step for loss how do we evolve loss and found Right. Because there has been a lot of um, pro- other projects that are very similar, and, um, you know, the natural course of things. So we kind of sat down and said, what are we, you know, what is this about? And we realized that we were getting a lot, we were getting access to a lot of stuff that was really special that we kind of like made it not that special by doing what we did.
1: Um, the packaging was kind of overshadowing the actual cigar right. itself. Yeah,
2: exactly. I think exactly. that was a lot
0: of case. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair case, yeah.
2: So we kind of went back to the drawing board and said, okay, let's get to the nuts and bolts of this. And that's where um, Antique Line was born. Um, I have the box here, I'll show you in a second. But that's where Antique Line was born. And that was where you know, some of the, the, the newer projects we have, uh, such as Instant Classic, which is a lost and found manufactured product, um we started that when we started lost and found um as well as a couple other things that we're we're doing this year with lost and found where we have the vintage of the cigar we have an exact count of boxes they're all hand numbered we have the blend cards we know what the cigar is a lot more is being disclosed about it and you know sometimes there's uh, I have a one of one box that we, mm-hmm. there was one that we were able to have find twenty cigars, um, but we've kind of made a jump in the evolution of, of lost and found in that we're giving we're now giving the cigars the credit that they've always deserved, mm-hmm. um, and and that was I think a very important part of our evolution as as what we as kind of our ethos is where we started is like these cigars are great. They're for, they for sh- they should be smoked. They're for everybody. And combining that with like, okay, we really need to pay attention to like the art that was put into these, you know, some going back to 2002, where we really need to let the cigars and the packaging express really how special they, they are. Um, and that's where Antique was born, where the Secret Stash stuff was born and, and all the um, the projects that we have going forward with lost and found. Um, so that being said, you know, this is a, has been the past couple of years have been, uh, really an opportunity for us to grow and really find our footing with, with kind of the, you know, disruption that we started with lost and found.
0: Yeah, no, I, when I saw the, like, cause one, you just mentioned something lost and found in boxes, not, not bundles anymore. So, I know you had some of those at the trade show. Is that something more that you'll be doing with Lost and Found going forward?
2: Yeah. So, these, you know, we, uh, Rob posted today, um, our instant classics are being boxed. They're box pressed, um, boxed and banded. They're really, really special cigars. Uh, like, here's a what do we get? 2004 torpedo, but nothing ever had bands before. Um, all the new stuff that we got, I don't know if you able see it, but yeah. it's all banded an antique line. This is uh, mm. San Andres Torpedo 2004. I have Colorado Claro 2006 and 17. So they're all, you know, they're all uh, banded with vintage um, in the special presentation packaging. Um, everything is handwritten. Um we had a, we had a box and I don't want to disrupt the show and get up and get it, but we have a box that literally on the back of it, the cigars are so delicate that we wrote on the back of the box, like, dude, please do not punch cut these. The <laughs> wrapper's very delicate. Right. Please take care of them. Like make sure they're properly humidified. And we have a big paragraph on the bottom of the box, handwritten um, on the hundred boxes that we had, mm. but you know that that's the, the evolution of what we have with Lost and Found is that you know these cigars are truly special, um, and we want to make sure that they're presented and packaged in a way that p- represents them well.
0: I no, I, li- I like that. Um, I like that. I mean, I go back to the one of the early ones you gave me was that Stout Corona, mm-hmm. it was a simple, unbanded one, and like I said, that was really the star was that was that blend. Uh, that, that was an excellence. I just love that cigar, and uh, yeah, I mean. There's a lot on packaging right now. You, you 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 probably know a lot about it. But did you guys feel any pressure? Like when I guess so, you guys were kind of I would say being the disruptors on um, doing some of the uh, the packaging, right? Some mm-hmm. of the packaging was I would say parody. Some people may say it's trademark stuff. I don't know how you guys feel about that. But I noticed some back and forth. Um, did you guys feel any pressure to get away from that? Were you guys getting some pushback on
2: that? Um, we never got any pushback on anything. Um, I ne- I never personally heard it. And if Rob heard it, he probably, right.
0: you know, yeah. I'm I mean, thinking about like, the Land, Land lakes ones are a good example, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I that mean, we was have, obvious what we, it was. Yeah.
2: We have a handful of cease and desist, which at the time we thought <laughs> was funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. That's what I get. <clears throat>
2: you know, we have, we have one from Betty Crocker. We have one from, uh, we have a couple different cease and desist. Right. That we've gotten over the years. And at the time we thought it was fun. You know, it still is fun for I still a small
0: company. You guys are still a small company. I mean, you're, you're handwriting yeah. stuff oh, on yeah. boxes. That's kind of it is kind of funny if you think about that too.
2: I always, I my dream was to get one from Disney. That's the one that I really want to get. So, um, but that just was with, you know Mickey
0: Mouse. I mean, it's easy, <laughs>
2: right? Um, but now you know, as I sit here in my like easy chair with my right. cardigan on, you know, things are a little bit different than they were right. when we had, you know, naked people and. You know, deers having sex on our packaging, yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, we I think we've come a long right, way. Since right,
0: so. right. Um, you know, and it, obviously now there's this whole focus on marketing the kids. I mean, for the most part, I, I maybe there's a few lost and found you can say in that area, but I think for the most part, you guys obviously there was you just talked about the other side of the coin there. So, um, I mean, what's kind of your thoughts on some of that stuff right now going around about? Responsible marketing and doing stuff for kids. What, what's your, what's your feelings in terms of uh, what the industry's position should be on that?
2: I mean, tobacco. I mean, tobacco or alcohol should never be marketed to children. I'm right. Thinking. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the, I think a major issue, and I've always said this, is when I went into the grocery store and I saw like Mountain Dew flavored vodka. Um, and like gummy bear flavored vodka like that, like yeah. if I was, if I was a kid and I saw that at my parents' bar, I would grab it for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know why they haven't cracked down more on, on those things, which, you know, um, we like, are directly, that's, that's the intention, right? Um, because I don't know many adults that drink, you know, uh, gummy bear flavored vodka at happens <laughs> you know, I just don't. Um, but from, you know, from the standpoint of lost and found, you know, our intention was never to do anything like that. I mean, I don't right. even think, I don't know that any of the packaging would really be considered that, that we ever did. Um, but from my my standpoint as a person in the industry, you know, um, the, the, there's both sides of the coin and, and there's an argument to be made for both, you know? I mean, you shouldn't be going in, I mean, most tobacco stores and premium tobacco stores don't let anyone in that are, that, that are that's under 21, right? So as far as selling it from a retailer standpoint, I don't think that that's an issue, um, but I do think that manufacturers do need, you know, some accountability for right. for some things that they do. I, you know, it's a, I like to equate everything to to alcohol and the, the alcohol world because you know that's yeah. I I I'm in that a lot and you know you have to submit your label to the state to get approved and blah 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 blah. I'm not saying that we need that mm-hmm. um, or that we should do it. I think that we should be more focused on unifying the industry and unifying ourselves rather than trying to tear ourselves right. apart from the inside.
0: So you think something like what you're doing now with the, with the antique series and all that. See, I think, well, let me, I'll give you my thought. I think that's a really good thing because you guys are finding a way to kind of let the cigars shine. And I think you guys are known for art, uh, you know, lost and found call. Well, you guys, you're known for art. And I think that is a very good way to kind of do what you guys are doing right now I think that's the way I'd like to see These types of releases go
2: Yeah and that's, and that's What we've always been focused on You know um, From back when I started with, with Robbie at Winwood, and I think that You know Lost and Found Started you know again going back And this is 2013 You know going back to the start of Lost and Found it was We thought maybe 10 people Would get these cigars you know, we never thought it would be what it was. It was literally just Rob sending me stuff in funny packaging for me. And we never knew it was going to do what it did. Let alone, you know, you did a story that it was like one of the stories of the decade. It It's it you know I mean? a
0: revolution in terms of bring a new channel to bring things to market. I mean, it really did.
2: And we never, I don't want to say
0: you guys invented it. I don't think you guys were the first, but you guys made it like the thing.
2: And we never intended it to for it to be what it is. And then now, yeah. you know, you know, again, hindsight's 2020. Right. You know, are some of the ones that we did are where they ridiculous? Absolutely. But you know, again, you know, you have to we have to evolve. And I think that, you know, with us all, you know, growing up in this industry and realizing how, how important it is, you know, changing our packaging to reflect the uh, how the cigars that we used to take for granted. You know, we used to just, you know. Robbie would send me 500 cigars. I'd give them to my friends and they'd be gone. And then I was like, oh, shit. Like that was, you know, a very special cigar that everybody just smoked. In it. Um, and now it's gone forever. Uh, so I think we've grown up and, and kind of, that's that's kind of our our grow up move.
0: Right. And in terms of that grow up move, do you think that's kind of like, and I have an opinion, on, this, but I think you'll agree with my opinion. It's kind of separated you guys out from some of your competition's kind of mimicked it and maybe you know cheapened it you know i'm saying i don't don't want to disparage but you know do you think that this i think because i think this move has that's what i'm saying i think this really helped distinguish lost and found on things
2: well i think you know and again you know i'm not and you you guys know me well enough at this point to know that i would never i'm never going to talk about somebody else right right ever um and I, I'm I'm glad that so many people are in the cigar business, and I'm glad that so many people are manuf- enter, yeah. manufacturing. Mm-hmm. But the spirit of Lost and Found, um, did it kind of lost its its soul? Uh huh. And it wasn't it, it wasn't because uh, people were coming to market with similar things, um, that that weren't the same, you know, like Lost and Found its soul was these cigars are right. 10 years old, 15 years old. These cigars were something special at one time. And then some of them, that some things that came out that were very similar didn't have the quality. So it, it made what we were doing uh, not as special because it, it almost seemed like it muted.
1: It yeah, muted, if you see a paper bundle, if you see two different paper bundles together, you think they're the same thing, right?
0: Right, exactly.
2: Where one could be very easily just manu- a manufactured cigar, right? right. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of them were, um, and I smoked, I smoked a lot of them, and they were certainly great cigars. Um, but the, it, it also wasn't, you know, a two thousand and six Colorado Claro, one thousand cigars ever made, one thousand two hundred. 50 cigars in the entire world special you know mm-hmm. and that's and that was kind of the turning point where we said okay now's the time to to really remember how special these cigars are and that's where antique came from and yeah. a lot of the the projects that we're doing now was, are are being are, you know are coming from
0: right tony i was in a i was in a factory a few years ago i'm not gonna say the factory and uh it was one of the things they, they came across a uh, an aging room and they pulled out some cigars for us. Right. And we all smoked it and they just said, you know, we all love the cigar. Right. And we're like, you know, and then they told us, basically, this has been sitting in the factory. Well, we go, why didn't you release? This? this is really good. And they said, basically, um, someone didn't pay their bill. And um
2: that's you know, where they, the stouts came from. Yeah, the stouts that you smoked, they got in. Oh, really? Bill. Okay,
0: so yeah, yeah I mean, that's the scenarios that happen. Like sometimes it's not just the leftovers, is what I'm saying. It's it's legitimate stuff. And they said, well, it didn't fit in with our model, so we didn't, you know, we didn't, we never released them. So you guys, have, I think, really had a knack at kind of finding those blends, uh, like the stouts. Uh, the backdoor Bambi was another one I really liked. So you know, I think you guys have done. There's a there was a. I think you guys put a little more of kind of that whole hunting into the factories types of thing, And you guys have found... And look, I've like some Lost and Founds better than others. I'm not going to lie to you, but but um, but I think you guys have at least kind of... That piece of it, I think you guys have put some real uh, effort into it.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, the, and think about... The other thing is think about the releases that we did. I mean, there's been, you know, hundreds of, of Lost and Founds over the years. Um, and, and, you know, some loved some, some didn't like some, and vice versa. But again with this new the new chapter here i mean this is yeah completely different i mean yep. it's like you know we're not putting any we're not just stickering something in and putting it out there i mean these are these are really mm-hmm. special um and right. back and back to what we started with
0: right and then the other thing we didn't even talk about this angle um there was a whole charity co- program that you guys also did with that um in 2020 um talk a little about that because that was something else kind of unique that you were able to to kind of use this brand for.
2: Yeah. And and we're going to continue to do so. And, and we've had a couple of releases um, in the past couple of years that have done that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rob and I worked together. Um, I can't remember where we were, but we, we really wanted to, we wanted to launch an entire brand that was focused on helping people. And um, at the start, of coronavirus, Rob called me and he was like, and he said, Hey, we need to do this now. Like we, we can't be taking, we can't take our time on this project right. because he was driving by um, and it was right at the beginning of coronavirus when everything mm-hmm. shut down he was driving by a homeless shelter and the line was around in Miami and the line was around the block. It was at Camilla's house. And he's <laughs> like, we need to do this. We need to get on this right away. And once we started and that was with the original I think that was, that was give a fuck. That was the first, mm-hmm. like that was the, the charitable component to it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the first one that we released. Uh, but once we started getting into that and seeing like the impact that, that we can have even as a cigar industry and, and, and letting people know that what they're smoking, what they just bought, like actually help somebody. Um, and we've never made the, the, the numbers public because I don't think that that's a necessary thing. Right. it's It's substantial. Mm -hmm. Um, and just knowing that we fed that many people, um, you know, with the, the, the Pavo, we, every, every bundle that we sold gave, fed a family of four Thanksgiving dinner. Um, one of the no free lunches we did, um, gave arts because when coronavirus happened and kids were being homeschooled in, uh, lower income and urban inner city schools, um they share art supplies mm-hmm. and uh, when you are at home and you can't go to school to share your art supplies you have no art supplies and the schools weren't supplying the kids with art supplies um so one of the one of the people that we partnered with um you know provided provided students with with art supplies for art um and we've done you know a a number of things the chance program we did with toys for tots each bundle mm-hmm. um was went um towards toys for tots um, we did the collaboration with cigars for warriors um the one a, with protocol the one, the one yeah, with protocol with yeah one yeah uh, that did the tunnels and towers foundation but i mean it's amazing you know what you can do when you get a community of people around something and I've seen it firsthand, and it really is. I really like. It really is something special that we that I think that we did. I do um, agree. That I'm proud of, um, and I'm. I mean, you know me. I'm not, you know, whatever. But I am proud of that project, and I'm and I and it pulls my heartstrings to see what it's done. Um, and I and we're gonna keep we're 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 gonna keep moving, and with that project, it's just gonna be even more elevated, like we've already done.
0: Yeah, no, Tony, I mean, I think you guys haven't gotten the recognition on it. Um, yeah, I think, it, I think it's because I actually think it's a very good product, but I, I kind of understand that you guys weren't doing it for the recognition. So I, I kind of just said you guys just went about and did your business with it. And uh, I, I think that's, you know, but I think that's a, I think it's a, an outstanding program that you had and how you themed certain releases throughout the year um, and, and the charities you picked that were all really good charities. So. Um I I think that was a really good job uh by you guys and you, you deserve I'll give you some accolades now on that cuz I thought it was a good Thank job. You. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, but I know you guys I know you guys I I kind of know you and I know Robert well enough to know that you're not going to like brag about it. hey we, we wrote a check for this amount of money, you know, so I don't we, think that's what you guys were about. Yeah.
2: No. Absolutely not. We yeah. help as mm-hmm. much as we can and and you know, at the end of the day, we do what we can and hopefully it makes a positive impact on our community and everybody that's in the cigar community as well
0: Yep, agree agree all right uh aaron any questions on the brands for tony no i think think we hit everything all right we got a few more things for you tony so hang in there um but let me ask this question first um because i gotta ask this right because one of the you know it was a memorable night for me when I was on four shots, and, oh, when you uh, got hammered. When I got ha- well, you didn't know I was hammered till afterwards. But when I, I sleep on John McTavish on a Zoom call. <laughs> I, what's the status for four shots? Is it coming back? Well, uh, I know you're busy. I know you're a busy guy now. So
2: yeah, uh, G- well, Jeremy launched Wildfire, so he's been yep, on the road with yep. that. Um, it became. You know, you did it once. We did it every week for three years. So yeah, two years. So it kind of like, uh, it got taxing on us. I'd like to redesign the format of the show so it's not based on right. getting plastered drunk. Um, but I think that was a good and, and you know, it everything changed. You know, people it was on Tuesday nights. People were going out and we were you know starting to get busy again. So. I mean, will it come back? I hope so. In what capacity? I don't know. I mean, our what we've always wanted to do with it was to bring a live component to the events that we're doing across mm. the country. Um, that was always the goal. Yeah. Moving forward with that show, I think that that'd be a cool uh, thing that people could interact with because I know a lot of people are, you know, don't have a lounge close to them where they can come to an event or or enjoy or really see what like we do on the other, the inner workings of, of, of us, you know, being on the road for six days. I mean, it was kind of like the, my evolution, the way that I saw the, that going and the way I wanted it to go was I wanted to bring Brandon on the road with me or on the road with us to see, you know, what it's really like. Cause a lot of people, and I have had a conversation with a lot of people that, you know, that well, I want to be a cigar rep. All, all you guys yeah. do is like kind of hang out, some cigars. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, travel with me for 10 days in the South. And then when you wake up on day seven, you don't know what city you're in, what hotel you're in, where cigar store you're going to next. And you have no idea what time it is. Then we can talk. Because it's really, it really is a grueling thing to this business to do, you know, to do what we do to get the cigars out there to people. But at the same time, it's fun. And it's a business that I wouldn't trade for the world. And one that I hope that stays around forever. Um, but, I, but with Four Shots, you know, that was the goal was once coronavirus was over, you know, Jeremy would go do his thing. I would do my thing and we'd have Brandon kind of going around and, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to be at this store tonight. We're going to have a live audience in the store, you know, and kind of have a, an hour show that, that talked about the retailer and where you could buy their cigars and how you can support the retailer, you know, so on and so forth, do things for Miami, Dominican Republic, etc. cetera.
0: Yeah, no, I was like I said, I, I enjoyed my time on the show, obviously, and uh, I have not gotten plastered since that show. Just you know, <laughs> because there's only like my wife was saying, I think there's only about six or seven times I've gotten hammered uh, that she's known me, and and but that one was probably the most unusual. Like on a Zoom call, and I fall asleep, and I I wake up, and John, I'm talking to John McTavish, Aaron's, and he's not there anymore. I'm like, and and John was like fucking hysterical because he knew I was on your show before and so he knew exactly what happened. I just passed out <laughs> and talking
2: to he didn't bore
0: yeah. me. I said, no, you didn't bore me that night. John. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, well, everyone knew, by the way, by the time. I
1: yeah,
0: by the next, morning, everybody knew. the next morning, everyone knew. Like, so. But it was fun. No, I, I enjoyed being on there, and I think you and Jeremy had good chemistry on that. So, mm-hmm. uh, But I like that concept too. I know some people have tried. It's a tough concept to make work, Tony. If you yeah. guys can actually pull it off, um, I, I think having another guy do that is the key thing. So that would definitely help.
2: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see how that yeah how that goes. I know there's a couple things we've been talking about trying to do. We'll see if they take off.
0: Nice. All right, so why don't we get into what we are smoking? Okay, no, let's do a cattle barn steak question tonight first. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. And we'll get into what we're smoking. All right. So this is our cattle baron steak question. tonight. This is related to steak. And this is a question specifically of design for you tonight, Tony. It's not one of our uh, canned ones because I haven't asked this one. All right. So I'll start off. I want to know first your favorite cut of steak. And then the second thing is I want to know what wine you're going to pair that with. Oh,
2: well, my favorite depends. Uh Really, I mean, it. Did, my favorite cut of steak depends.
0: Okay, like that's okay, and that's okay. Yeah.
2: Generally speaking, I get a fillet. Uh
0: huh. Because I don't
2: know what's going on at mm-hmm. the place. Right. right. It, you know what I mean? So you can't fuck that up. <laughs> you know, it's very hard to screw up uh, just a basic fillet. Um, but you know, if I'm in Miami or DR, I like churrasco. You know, I, I like the skirt steak when it's all done up like that. Mm-hmm. I like uh, Chateau Briand when it's done right. I like tartare. I like carpaccio. You know, even like one time I was at RPM with Jared, who works for Macalliffe, and we decided to buy $500 Wagayu we'll sashimi, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So, my favorite, I'd like all beef. So, That's my why. favorite, I have no it's a time and place. Same with wine for me. But I think the best um, steak and wine combination is a rare ribeye with a Bordeaux. Right, Bank Bordeaux.
0: I, I had a feeling you were going to say a Bordeaux. Yeah, but uh, that, that would make sense. Uh, that, I'd agree with you on that. And I'm not nearly the wine guy you are, or Aaron. Aaron knows a lot more even than me. I'm, I'm not a wine guy, but but that uh, that is what I would say.
2: If you did something like the, like a blue bogey, well, like completely just touches the stove. Um, you know, I would do something like a zinfandel, something spicy, cause it's that those meats are super savory. Mm-hmm. You know, I typically, <clears throat> we either completely compare or completely contrast flavor. So, you know, uh, generally speaking, like a ribeye is like more earthy and more kind of rustic. Um, so you're comparing that with a Bordeaux where a contrast would be if you had something super like uh, they call it umame, you know, that Mm -hmm. like MSG, the savory note, Mm -hmm. Um, you'd want something a little bit like on the spicy side or a little, you know, something, something that's not sweet. Um, Yeah. And if you had like a spicy, you know, Brazilian steak, you would do something, maybe you could do a dessert wine, depending on, you know, what kind of spices they use. If there's a lot of pepper and salt.
0: Nice. Nice. Good job, Tony. Good job, Tony. All right. Um, let's get into what we're smoking tonight. Um, and that is sponsored by Tailored Smoke. Located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's epicenter and now just outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Tailored Smoke is your one stop stop for a Tailored Smoke experience. So, Aaron, you lit up the... Ricky's purple purple upside purple, yes. So
1: this is the six and three quarter by forty-six, which is uh double corona corona gorda-ish. It's a unique vitola, not many people use that size.
2: Yeah, it's like a Rob always calls it like the Tony Churchill because okay. like, I'm I'm smaller than him. Right. So like right. a normal Churchill is a seven by forty-eight for him. So yep. it's yeah. So it's like a mini Churchill or like okay. a long corona gorda. Right. Or I don't know. It's almost a double Corona. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's good.
1: It is good. Uh, Toasted cedar, some creaminess to it. Uh, It's got an uh, effervescent minerality to it. I I would kind of call it like a concentrated uh, Pellegrino, like mineral water or something like that. Like you get like you get like a dense minerality to it, but the the effervescence is there. So it's, it's an interesting kind of component. There's also like a mild black pepper to it. Uh, but retro is um, it's smooth. It's, you know, got the creaminess there, a little bit of that minerality, a little bit more of the pepper, but not anything that's like, you know, stinging or nostrils or anything like that. Um, and the construction is fantastic. I mean, the ash held on first time for, you know, a little over two inches. I tapped it just because I, you know, I didn't know at what point at that, w- it was going to fall off and I'm trying to be, you know, gentle now, but it's, it's going really well. So, uh, nice cigar. Yeah. This is my first time smoking this Vitola. So Nice.
2: That's my favorite Vitola of that cigar.
0: Well, I went OG and I'm smoking the uh you can see the red. Um, uh, and you can see the it's the old band as opposed to the map band that um Aaron had. So this has got to be Tony we were talking before the show about six or seven years old.
2: Yes. Um, Did it have a UPC code on it?
0: Um yes.
2: Okay, so that's adventurous.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and this is the five and three quarter by forty six. Um, two thousand
2: fourteen. That should two thousand fourteen or fifteen. One that. Tony, but do you have any of these? Yeah, the, my this entire closet's full of those.
0: Uh, with, with with this one, with this, but that, with that roll. Yeah. That. When and, was the last time you smoked this? It's
2: been a while.
0: You need to. You need to pull this out.
2: Yeah.
0: Tony, you need to pull this out. This is smoking incredible. I'm just telling you. And it it smokes like an aged cigar. And it's not. A, it doesn't smoke like it's aged out. Is what I'm saying. You're still getting that that corojo sweetness on this thing. It, there's just an underlying pepper note. Um, you know, I'm thinking of the one. I, I I'm you know, I'm thinking of that border of wine actually as I'm smoking this too. This is really smoking good right now. As I'm just telling you. Thank so you. I mean, you need to. I would at least pull a couple out and enjoy them because um, I think they're smoking as as as. The best I've smoked the red, so, and I like the I've always liked the red, so. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. To,
2: yeah. I haven't pulled one of those old the yeah. old bands out in a while, and I have some of the Honduran ones in, in there too that I haven't mm. smoked in, in a bit. But that's good to hear. I will yeah. this weekend have some of those.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. The Honduran one was good. I I, I like this. I've always liked this one better. Um, but the Honduran one was always a very good cigar. I remember those. Um, going back, but yeah, I mean, the, this is. Um, this is smoking, like I said, a very high level. Um, and for a cigar, like sometimes when there's on an aged cigar, sometimes it gets that what Aaron calls mustiness or that's just a little more cedary than I like. And that's when I feel it's starting to age out, but this, you're getting all the sweetness. You're getting some really nice bold flavors with this thing. It's not overpowering with nicotine by any means, but, but you're just getting all the flavor with this thing right now. Um, and the size just seems like it's tailor-made for this blend on top of it so it's i think it's like the perfect storm we're getting here
2: that's a the, like a regular corona quarter right the five and three quarters by five yeah. six. Mm-hmm. yeah the five, yep yeah that was my that's my that's my jam in that cigar yeah that, that yeah. was my favorite size
0: yeah yeah and i'll be honest i, have, I probably haven't smoked this size in a long time i have probably smoked more through like some of the robustos um and I, I like i said i've always liked the red but this one um this one this size is 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 the ticket man i'm just telling you I, I, I'm, if you smoke it and you get a diff, I'm curious when you smoke it. just let, let me know what you think. But yeah, I'll send but, you a message. But oh, uh, yeah, this yeah, you guys. I mean, you introduced me to Henderson's line a few years ago, so and I was like pretty wowed by that. So I, I think you and I usually are in sync. So I think you'll mm-hmm. like if you haven't smoked these, you definitely need to pull pull a couple of these out. Yeah, that was
2: the the blue. Was it? Did I give you the blue one? The, the yeah, zero? it was yeah. the blue
0: one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good memory. Good memory. But that Queen's Pearl he's got. Um, the Corona. That's the one I really like. That Connecticut. Yeah,
2: he's His stuff's amazing. he's really good. That that his broadleaf is good too. I really yeah. like that. I like in the, the bigger size. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was a fan of that. I got that that whole that that uh, that uh, Queens pearl and King's gold were both really good. So, uh, but no, this is a good job here. All right, Tony, I got one more segment for you, but I got to just do a quick uh, sponsor break, and then we can kind of get it. And we, this is a shorter segment. So, um, let me mention, um, JRE tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of the cigars of Cuba, the leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because this is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Homestown Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. In 2000, they successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and his son who still bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in 100% authentic carojo, San Andres Maduro, Connecticut Shade, Cameroon, or Bono Ramper, representing the Golden Age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at Yolk Retail, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco legacy that is tasted in every drawer. We want to mention Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, we take pride in the fact that we are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, we have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers like Avo, CLE, Drew Estate, Perdomo, Gurkha, and Oliva. We have the best selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take our word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company best of the web. Corona's company was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine and Cigar Out. wrote Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best star sock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at www.coronacigar.com or visit one of Corona's four Central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. I also want to mention uh, Aganorsa Leaf. Uh, this month, we will be, uh, we'll be highlighting the Lunatic line. Um, and if you go into our sidebar uh, to the Aganorsa experience uh, sidebar link, uh, you can click on that. And that will, uh, we'll have that actually updated uh, by the end of the week if you're watching this live. That will take you to a video Terrence Riley's done that gives you an overview of the Lunatic line, which is full of agonor Leafs. Unusual shapes and sizes in there, so you'll want to check that out, and we'll have a corresponding blog post as well. Well, let's get into Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars live true. So, Tony, I don't think I've taken you through some of these questions, but these are just some non-cigar-related questions. Um, you won't be embarrassed by these questions, so they're they're easy. (laughs) Okay, that's okay. But uh, nah, we don't that. I'll leave you guys do a better job at that. (laughs) You and Robert get me better. (laughs) Uh, I I, when I get Robert back on the show, I have a I have a set of questions for him though that will uh, that that will try to at least.
2: (laughs) You should. You need to.
0: I know. I have to challenge him on that because he's a. Uh, but anyway, all right. So this first one, uh, I. A topic on a pizza that you like besides cheese. Salami. Good answer, man. I love salami on a pizza. General yeah, salami I mean, is great on a pizza.
2: I'm from I'm Youngstown, man. We have the best pizza outside of, I mean, I'm halfway between New York and Chicago. So we have actually have our own style of pizza. It's called the Valley Pizza. So what is, to so talk
0: about that. Yeah. Talk about that.
2: So the one thing we have is Briar Hill Pizza. Mm-hmm. And Briar Hill was an area in Youngstown with all the Italians from mm-hmm. worked in the steel mill. And Briar Hill pizza is basically like poor man's pizza. It's just bread, sauce, uh, green peppers, and a little bit of Parmesan cheese on top. Uh Briar Hill pizzas is in the you know with a real thick, crispy, they call it grandma's crust, like a homemade dough. Yeah. And then uh we're famous for what's called Wedgewood pizza and Wedgewood pizza. What they do is instead of putting the round salamis on, they put uh, shaving like a almost like shredded cheese uh, style salami. Mm-hmm. So they're shredded and then the, the tops curl up and they get burnt. Yeah, So that salami on a pizza to die for.
0: Okay. And I've had that with the salami curling up. Um and I remember, like, one of my sons, we, we got something like that, and he says, well, it's not like pepperoni. He was, like, wanting, like, pepperoni, where, but the sides that curl up on that thing, which is really cool.
2: Yeah, I like it because, you know, pepperoni's spicy, but uh-huh. I, I like salami because it's salty.
0: So yeah, it's, you know, yeah. Salty. I, that's a great answer. I like that answer. Like, I like salami on pizza, so that's a, that's a really good answer. I didn't realize that was a, a Youngstown type of thing either.
2: Yeah.
0: I just thought, you know, I saw some places do it, and I just got it, you know. But uh, that's, I learned something new on that. Good answer. All right. Um, in terms of cigar packaging, if you had a choice of one of these going away, what would it be? And I'll, I'll give you the choices. Coffins, paper bundles, not cello, or tubes. Paper bundles. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, I didn't <laughs> expect that one from you. <laughs> well, he, well, good job. I, that would be mine you too. The made it, made it
1: go in his in his own company.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. or
2: i mean if i would say second would be coffins because why not just put it in a tube
0: well, i i have problems with coffins all the time if if i get i get a lot of mold with coffins sometimes
2: yeah mold. and, and,
0: and I, I've learned I have learned i take everything extra, out now yeah i have to take them all out
2: and you're paying an extra dollar for the yeah.
0: coffin yeah yep. yeah yeah all right a pet that you would like to have besides a dog or cat you may already have this pet
2: I do not have a pet at the current moment. Mm. Um, pet. A, a pig or an otter?
1: Pigs come up a few times. <laughs> an otter, <laughs> different animals. Yeah,
2: an otter, <laughs> but it's like outside otter, like right, right. Go outside right, yeah. and like have like a fountain and have some otters in it.
0: That's yeah. cool. I, and I do know or some like some tubes that like
2: eat, like through the house, <laughs> shooting yeah. around,
0: yeah, shoot around. like a giant tubes, yeah. yeah,
1: like how they used to have like a Costco or whatever where they would put the money in the tubes and just shoot them off into the office, or whatever. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> like the bank,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, that's a good one, I like that. All right, true or false, you played hooky from school,
2: true,
0: yeah, I figured that one. <laughs> Did you get caught?
2: Well, okay. So I, my history is a little checkered. Um, I've always been a hustler, I guess, so to speak. And I guess that's why I and I get along. But when I was in high school, I was like the kid that got everybody stuff that they couldn't get. Um, and I got that through befriending the staff of the school by getting them things that they couldn't get. So I pretty much was able by my senior year I didn't really go to school my senior year I kind of like came
1: I would, I would
2: yeah and then I would leave and pick up stuff for people and then I would come back and drop the stuff off for people and then I would leave for a little bit and then I would come back for i think i I had to come back because i had I had to do government and then I would leave again. <laughs> and then I would come back for when everyone left to give them all their stuff. And yeah, that was generally my, my day at school, my entire senior year. I probably was there for eight hours a week.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, uh, my, my high school was by the, uh, Staten Island ferry. Cause that's where I went to high school in Staten Island. And, uh, you know, when we had to substitute at the end of the day, that's when I cut out. And, uh, my, uh, my, my dad, who was in the limo business worked nights mostly, um, so he uh, he would intercept the. He was okay with it, um, as long as my grades were okay. So I got yeah, away I mean, with it.
2: Pretty much, pretty much the same for me.
0: Yeah, for me, yeah, that was like he said. As long as you, goes, your grades go down, you're in trouble. But he said, yeah, otherwise you're fine. And he would just would, say it saying no. He was in class. It was a mistake. Yeah, I
2: would yeah. same thing. I was at my dad's my dad's shop at like <laughs> noon, and had be having a coffee, and then he would come in and be like, "Aren't you supposed to be in like high school?" Yeah. And i would be like, "Ah, oh, I got cover it covered." Yeah. As long as you don't get kicked out, right? You go to
0: college, you're fine. Right. Right. Nice. All right. A musical instrument that you don't play that you would like to play.
2: The steel drums. Good one. I like that one too.
0: I like that one too. Good Jamaican steel drum. Yeah. I know.
2: I just feel like you know. If it ever got warm here, I could go out of my backyard and play the steel drums, and it could be almost like I'm not here. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's nice. You know, I guess I'm seeing your the store you have in Niles. Put a couple yeah. steel drums out there, and uh, yeah, yeah, I could see you guys doing that out there. Because <laughs> I've been to the, sure. I haven't been to the Youngstown store, but I've been to the Niles store. Yeah,
2: maybe I'm maybe I'll get a steel drum.
0: I think it would go good.
2: I did pick up DJing over coronavirus, so I I I've DJed nice. a couple. I DJed a wedding. Really, oh, wow. yeah.
0: Now funny. now do you just spin records or do you do, you do mixes or anything on like that?
2: Uh mixes. So That's it's like really... the, you know, 2021. I have a laptop and like mm-hmm. yeah, like the not vinyl turntable, yeah. But right. A mixer.
0: Yeah. yeah. My wife's brother did that. He was really good. And it's like a whole DJing became a, a very much an art, um, you know, starting in the late eighties, where you know, it wasn't just like you're playing records and mixing, you know these guys became like almost kind of like you know musicians in their own right um some of these guys so
2: i like taking like newer what i've been doing a lot of is i've been taking newer like like down tempo kind of deep housey kind of stuff Mm -hmm. or like a little bit more like i don't know if you know clap tone but i take that and i mix it with yacht rock like steely dan oh really i gotta hear some of that one time yeah oh yeah
0: that's great that's awesome I like that that's good
2: we it's need fun. we need a well, spotify
0: to...
1: Spotify channel from you too.
0: I know yeah yeah maybe,
2: do, maybe we could do like a live DJ yeah. show one time yeah but yeah I did for Halloween like I did like I don't know if you you've seen Ghostbusters I'm assuming yeah I don't know if you've ever heard the song it's like it, please my baby told me once my <laughs> baby when the ghosts come out right right, right. I, I remixed that with like a, a newer like techno kind of song and like everybody went crazy because like everybody knows you can't play stuff that nobody knows.
1: Yeah, nobody you have to have really some popular. reference for them, right? Yeah. But then if
2: you put some like like late eighties, early nineties, and into like some newer stuff, people go crazy. Yeah, like I put like you can call me Alan or something, or like Ricky, don't lose that number, and then people yeah. are like, whoa, kind of like what Pete Diddy did. He yeah. did.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's cool. That's cool. You know, like that's kind of just like right up my alley. With the, what you're talking about basing it on, yeah. Good job all right you're in ohio your state's ohio so if you could set the speed limit for the state of ohio driving what would that speed limit be i
2: mean it would be there would be two different roads there would be like <laughs> not like like you'd have to graduate to go on the the, the adult road
1: i like that <laughs> sign a waiver to get on a waiver yeah yeah
2: <laughs> Like you, like it would automatically scan your face and be like, "Oh, like you know how to drive?" So yeah. you can be a, On the freeway, like you, like the left lane is for passing people, and not driving. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it's a speed limit thing, like whatever the speed limit could be, nothing. It could be an right. autobahn speed yeah. limit as long mm-hmm. as you know how to fucking drive. Yeah. So I think that that would be my precedent. All like right. you have to. It should be a lot harder to get your driver's license.
0: You know, I used to be the and guy keep who it. says and keep it. See oh. now, I'm getting older, right? So I don't want to have to. <laughs> exactly, that's your problem.
2: Which is fine. You can be in the, on the other road. Uh, just, and just no, like...
0: Aaron will tell you I belong on that autobahn road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mike, my... Mike, Ari-
2: like Arizona, you get your driver. You only have to. It's fifty years. You get your driver's license. Yeah.
0: 50, really, I didn't know that.
2: Fifty.
0: I'm not going to flex that. Do that.
2: <laughs> fifty years. Like, you, I, I would outlive the my driver's license or my driver's license would outlive me.
0: Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't move me. I, you know, it would outlive me, I guess too. Yeah. Wow, that's an interesting one. The, uh By the way, so I'll just uh, I'll, I'll add this, and um, I drove Bear very safely down in Miami when he was there. So I just want to say that
2: driving yeah. in Miami is.
0: Not that it, easy. It, oh, I know, I know, I know. Believe me, uh it lucky okay, I was mostly down there on the weekend, so it was easier. But uh yeah, I've uh I've driven in Miami enough. So it's brutal. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, a home repair where you need to call outside help for?
2: Everything.
0: That, that's the second person who said that. And that's like me, yeah. I what are, I'm
2: trying to think of what I actually have fixed. I mean, what's weird is like I fix shit at my store all the time but now like when I'm at home, I don't want to do it. So like this, it's been, my house has been a wreck this past yes. month or so. Like I'm getting my floor redone. There's, there was a leak in my boiler. I got to get cement put down the plow truck ran into my pillar out front, but I do like to cut the grass and I like to do landscaping stuff.
0: No, no, I don't like doing that at all. <laughs> I love it. I, uh, I got, a. I got the kid next door to doing my lawn and he's great. He's like 18. I, I said, well, you better not go to college because <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, so I'm going to lose him. So I said, you, you better get me someone else as good as you. <laughs> Cause he's been doing it for like, the last two years for me and, he, and he's really good this kid. So he's reliable. And he goes, I have to raise you $5 for inflation. I said, I'm going to give you that. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So, I would give it to him just for him yeah. using the work. Yeah. yeah, his dad originally started like, helping him out with it. Right now, that he just does it now. He's like, he's great the kid. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. My thing is
2: I like, from my busy day, I I don't even listen. To, I don't listen to music or anything. I just put on like the like the noise canceling with the mower mm-hmm. and like the white noise and like my phone stays in the house. Yeah. And I just like nobody yeah. bothers me for two hours and it's magic. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, yeah, and actually, I have a um a very yeah. allergic reaction to poison ivy. I'm highly sensitive to it. And I do have poison ivy on my back property, unfortunately. So I, I can't do anything back there, unfortunately. I mean if that thing just it's if that thing just touches me, I get it. Uh and I get it bad. So so yeah, I uh I have to watch that. that i I should have known that when we got this house. And uh we
2: when I, you I guys actually, got the spiders coming too. Do you saw that?
0: Yeah. Oh the parachuting spiders? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we had, we had an ice we had an ice storm right, and um, it took down some trees. And when I went out there, this is in winter. There was, I hit some poison ivy and got it. Um, so in the winter in the winter. Well, because again, it's down here. Right. It, yeah. So it's a little different. So it you know, we know it was warm enough, but it still was toxic enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. And the last question of the night: If you had a reality show, what would the title be?
2: Four shots with Tony and Jeremy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Feature
0: uh, William Cooper. Uh, well, I'm, 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 I'll come back anytime you guys want, and I'll recreate that magical moment for you. Uh, mixing f- four. Well, I went, we went two rounds, and I, I was fine until after the show. I can tell you that. <laughs> Aaron. You were watching that show, and you knew that something was gonna happen bad with me. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I,
1: I've. We've hung out uh, plenty of times, and when we're all drinking, you're you're just drinking diet coke. Right. You might have a you might taste something that we right, right. boring, but you're not drinking. So when you're gonna when you're going on the show, I'm like, this is gonna be this will be fun.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Uh, hey, so Tony, first of all, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for your My friendship pleasure. and everything. It's uh, you know I look forward to another ten years of doing all this stuff with you, and uh, you know. Um, you um, hopefully we, you know, I think well we'll be at the show, but we'll see you there, but hopefully I see you sometime before that, you know. Yep. All right. All right, Tony. Thank you very much again. Yep, thanks, Tony.
2: Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Here's Tony Bellato of Balato Premium Cigars, Lost and Found and La Barba. Take care, Tony. Have a great night.
2: See you guys. Thank you.
0: All right, take care. All right. Um so let's get into our Sopranos segment, um, Aaron. Um, and right. we're going to go back to, I guess, some of these facts. We did a few of these like last month. Mm-hmm. And I have some more facts that I pulled out. Um, so um, let's start off with. So these are just some facts of folks who didn't see the last show. There were 10 trivia facts from the Sopranos uh, that were on the IMDB site. Um, they're just trivia, little known facts. And we're just going to go through them and comment on them as so, as so fit. Um. Some of these, some of these, I guess, were eye openers, and some of these were not surprises to me. So, mm-hmm. um, so the first one is uh, David Chase, who's the series creator. He had one rule for the scenes in Doctor Melfi's office: no camera movements. Yeah, well, I think we talked about it. Did we talk about that one? Some of these were re- some of these were repeated, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if we talked about it on the show or just something we talked about
1: offline. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you mentioned that, and I don't, I don't know that I necessarily knew it. You know, watching the show. Yeah. But that's that's pretty interesting.
0: That was interesting. Um, and I haven't gone back to like check it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to actually go ahead and check to see how valid that is. All right. This next one. Corrado Soprano's nickname was Junior, Uncle Junior. And it was taken by an actual nickname used by Tony Sirico when he was a gangster as a young man before he became an actor. I can't see so, Tony Sirico being called Junior. That's kind of weird. Yeah, when it says taken from an actual
1: nickname used by him, so like, maybe does he, that mean he was called he called somebody that, or he was called that?
0: Maybe he. It says used by him, so I would assume maybe I'm reading that now. And it, yeah, you're right. Okay, So yeah, maybe that was just somebody that was in his,
1: you know, that he, you know, was around that they thought that that would be a good
0: okay a good Junior. Name for yeah, a okay, Junior. You don't give me the money. Yeah. yeah, I could see him say that. That I could say. Yeah. yeah. That could that that could see, okay. Now this one was a surprise to me, and I didn't know the statistics on this, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll, I have a couple of reasons why this one was a big surprise. So the show staff, as of the end of the show, two thousand seven, had accumulated six primetime Emmy awards for outstanding writing in a drama series, which is a record,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and. Every season, because it were really seven that they did. This so right. two, six. Every season but the second received Emmys for writing. That shocked me because I think season two is one of my favorites. Right. With the writing, I mean, um, that one surprised me because again, you have the whole pussy thing, yep. you have the whole Richie Aprile thing, um, Janice coming into the show that year. I just thought the writing was really good that year, and if any year it would win, I would think that would be a winning year. So, I thought that was some of the best writing that year.
1: Yeah, you just have to wonder maybe, what, you know, what did win, you know, what, yeah. kind of what was it up against that maybe that there was a reason that something just was really, you know, just a little bit step above that year. But I could definitely see that, you know, the series would win that yeah. so frequently because, it, I mean, it's a fantastic series.
0: Yeah, you know, we, no, it, well, the, and the writing was really, obviously, everyone always talked about the writing. Yeah. Um, I thought the writing maybe got a little weak in that second, that first season six. Right. I thought it got a little, after he got out of the hospital from being shot, I thought it got a little weak. Yeah. But uh, that stuff, I mean, that whole stuff, uh, when he gets the whole uh, Kevin Finnerty thing, I thought was brilliant right. how they wrote that part. But I thought the second half of that seasons, first season six, was a little weak, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, this one, I want to actually fact check this some more. It says James Gandolfini was the only cast member to appear in every episode. I could see that. I, the only I was, the only one I could see is Carmella.
1: Yeah, but that, um, was one,
0: that would be the only other character I could think of. Yeah,
1: but I could see how that shoot. She, she yeah. might not be in an episode because
2: yeah. so. I know
0: Tony Sirico. He missed some shows when he remember he was in. They said he was in jail. Well, he was in mm-hmm. jail, but I I think there was a contract thing at the time or something was going on with that. Why he missed a couple episodes. Right so yeah but yeah the only one I could think of that if I had a fact check it I thought Carmelo was in every episode that's why um so that would be the only other one but yeah Gandolfini was in every imagine an episode without him would have been yeah
1: yeah I mean you gotta think of, there's probably gonna be some episodes and I don't know if these are the specific episodes or not but like when they go to Italy um you know there's the potential for her not to be in that episode um, you know, Tony goes out to Vegas, uh, towards the end of the series, like times where he's traveling or something like that. Right. You know, just, there's maybe, maybe no focus where she would, she would have been in, in
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. I think she was in the Italy episode. Wasn't she, was that when she was, was she homesick or something that night? No, that was, she was sick with the college episode. Yeah. She, I think she was sick on the college tours. She was sick on the college tour. Yeah, so that was the whole father filled thing. So yeah, maybe you're right. That would be the only other one that I could yeah. think of. Maybe and then
1: yeah, and you know, there's only a small sub set of characters that were in the entire series anyway. So that you know, you have you know the family, and then you have like the main characters like uh, Silvio and Paulie and Christopher and stuff like that. But yeah. obviously Christopher dies, so he's not in the yeah. episodes and things like
0: that. So and Silvio gets shot in the second to last episode. Yeah. Um, but I think there may be a couple episodes with Silvio was, was not in there either. Mm-hmm. Um, which surprised, you know, and, when, and he's the next one we're going to talk about in a second, because they always kind of managed that filming when he wasn't on tour with Springsteen. Right. So it was surprising that he did as many episodes as he did. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to the next one. It says, uh, David Chase was a longtime fan of Stephen Van Zandt's music and always wanted to write a role for him. Uh, when Chase saw Zan Zan induct the Rascals into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he invited him to audition to Tony Soprano, even though he had never acted before. Van Zan did not want to take the role away from a real actor, so Chase wrote the role of Silvio Dante for them. The Rascals footage ended up being featured in the season one episode seven uh, episode of Down Neck. That I've heard true, so I've heard actually Van Zan talk about how he did audition to Tony Soprano.
1: I just can't, I couldn't
0: see him as Tony Soprano, I couldn't, either, and he actually said. It worked out much better the way it did. Yeah. Um. But he did audition, and I heard him talk about that. And he said, and I, and I think from what I remember about that, he said when he knew Gandolfini was 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 auditioning, he said, you know, look, how, you know, Gandolfini said, earn that role. So there was right. Um. And I think fate had it because I think that role, Silvio, him his role, well Silvio was perfect.
1: Yeah. Now the que- the question I have is. Is he was he playing a character or is that just how he acts? Because in, obviously when he did, uh, I, I'm blanking on the name of the other series now, but he basically played Silvio in the other series, right? Yeah, that was Lily Hammer. Lily Hammer. So like does, is that just the way he acts? Because if that's how he acts, there's no way he could be Tony Soprano, right? Like the, the series just would it would be more of a comedy than yeah. a drama, right?
0: You know, they what they, they could have easily made Lily Hammer a spinoff um, where he, he rioted and he goes, you know, and he spins off and he goes the Lily Hammer. Yeah. Um, they could have easily done it. Um, there is an episode of Lily Hammer. Did you see Lily Hammer? Yeah. There is that one episode where he goes to New York. Right. And they do a, kind of a whole parody of the Sopranos theme and them going in. Yep. He goes to New York with the two Norwegian guys. Yeah. Yeah. Those two goofball Norwegian guys. So yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so they did and pause. Uh Tony Sirico's the pr- uh, the priest. His pr- Mm -hmm. brother the priest so that was kind of but yeah i could have he was because he was so much that same character Mm -hmm. um i i I mean it was almost you you would watch that and you think you were watching silvio yeah
2: it's
1: like it's just like it was a it was a spinoff like silvio didn't die he went into the witness protection program
0: yeah (laughs) kind of a thing yeah You, you know i am a springsteen fan um you know his his role in Springsteen was kind of like this gypsy kind of musician. He had that gypsy look. And, yeah. um, you know, he, uh, so he, he, those are the only two roles I know he's acted in really mm-hmm. major roles. So that's really maybe the only type of character he's played either. Yeah. So, you know, maybe when they were writing Lilyhammer, they easily said, Hey, we want, we want Van Zandt. Well, think yeah. Van Zandt created the series. I think Van Zandt right. created that series. So um, it is a, that was one of the shows that they. I wish it didn't end when it did. They, they should have did a lot more episodes. Of that right. show it was a good show. All right. All right. So, uh, back to Tony Sirico. Tony Sirico only agreed to sign for the show if it was guaranteed as character Paulie Walnuts would not be a rat, a.k.a. an informant. As explained in James Toback's documentary, The Big Bang, he had served time in prison for robbery. Altogether, Sirico's rap sheet included... At least 28 arrests. Reportedly, he appeared briefly in an uncredited role in the Godfather 1974. Some aspects of Sirico's real life, a brief stint in the military, etc., were added to Paulie's real life as well. I could see that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I could see, you know, I could definitely from every I, I haven't seen a lot of interviews with Tony Sirico. Right. Um, I don't think he ever did talking sopranos. So um, you know, so I haven't seen, but I could see him doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see he went He. He didn't, he wouldn't want anybody to confuse him,
1: you know, cause you know, you got, I'm sure that constantly those guys were hit up by, you know, people that were in the life or wanted to be in the life. Right. And yep. so they probably saw things in the, in the show that they thought that was really the person and not this character they were playing. And he probably just didn't want any like questions about, you know, whether he could do that or not do that. Right.
0: Yep. Yep. Agree. Yep. Agree with that. Um, And yeah, those. I mean, I I heard stories of him with the hair, like he was very particular with the hair, even in Mm -hmm. real life. So and they carried that into the show as well. So you you could see those littlest idiosyncrasies of his character that they've done. So I could definitely see it. All right. Here's a good one. I didn't notice one at all. Ray Liotta was a top choice to play Tony Soprano, but he turned it down, stating he didn't want to commit to a television series. Later, Lyoto was in talks to play Ralphie Cifaretto, but ended up not taking the part. And, of course, he ended up taking the role in the prequel, The Many Saints of Newark. Um, I can't see him in either one of those roles as, as, as Tony or Ralphie.
1: Uh, I have a harder time seeing him as Tony, but I could see him playing Ralphie. Because could, he could play a wormy kind of guy like Ralph. Um, yeah,
0: but, but uh, yeah, I would say that Joe um, was more wormy. Yes, I agree with that. He's
1: because he's played that character in other movies as yeah. well. But I could see Leota kind of getting away with that. Um, I could also ha- had seen him playing Richie Aprile.
0: Oh, definitely. Good one. Yeah, I, th- I could have see, Rich- seen
1: him in that role. Yeah,
0: I, I definitely could have seen it as well. Now, we differed on it. I really liked Ray in the role as a. Uh, in, in um many things, I love that role where he played. Uh... I think you, yeah, I, I I didn't I don't disagree with the role. I
1: okay. think we we were talking to, I don't remember who we were talking to. Somebody didn't like it. I don't know if it was Jay or somebody else. Maybe right. he didn't like him in that role. But I thought, yeah, I thought he played well. I I thought he played the you know the brother in prison, uh, really well. Yeah, um, I like the
0: dual role he had with yeah. that. Um, and you know, I liked. I think I've talked about this. I didn't see Goodfellas until a few years ago. Um And I really liked him in Goodfellas as well, but he was younger he than He was him. fantastic
1: in Goodfellas. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean he really was. I was a and, and then like you, you know my reason why I didn't watch that movie, right? Why is that? Because I can't stand Joe Pesci. What? Yeah, I just can't stand him. This is ridiculous. I know, I know. You get everyone cuz I couldn't stand him in Lethal Weapon and just. uh yeah, and those finally, are, That's different. But like
1: him in him in
0: Goodfellas. He was good in Goodfellas. In I'm cas- gonna give casino. him. A, yeah, I well because and
1: and in i know you don't like the, care for the movie but uh what's the most recent one here the one that everybody said they hated but it was pretty actually still pretty good movie
0: uh god damn well
1: did, you know the one the, the one recent one with de niro and him and oh what uh, irishman irishman yeah I, yeah I think he was fantastic in that. i really thought he was well. good in the
0: Irishman. i'll give you that yeah I'll give you that. It was just it was those Lisa weapon movies. I couldn't stand. Yeah, yeah, that. that's,
1: that's different stuff.
0: Yeah, that it just. But you know, a lot of people said, "Look, they told me put that aside and watch this movie and watch him in it and give him a fair shot." I did, and I, I, Goodfellas became one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Like after, like I only saw, I think I only saw like 2016, so it was like a long time. Wow. Yeah. So I. Uh, yeah. So so uh, great movie. Great movie. All right. The next one. Before J- series creator David Chase chose the song "Woke Up This Morning" by the UK band Alabama Three, uh, he wanted to open every episode with a different song. HBO executives convinced him that viewers needed to be able to identify the show with a theme song. However, every episode ends with a different song. Love, I love that how every episode ends with a different song. Yeah, I think I think that was the right choice. And they make that they find the different song that kind of really goes well with the ending a lot. They tend yeah. to really pair that well.
1: Yeah, having a consistent ending song is not not important at all. I don't think in my mind. Yeah, opening is yeah. I can, I, I understand the reasoning. Like you want to, you want to hear it from the other room, and know that the show is on, right? Yep. that's what you want.
0: Yep. But you remember when when the episode the Tracy episode where that's the uh Ralphie kills the uh that's what Ralphie yep. kills her, and then Tony and Ralphie get into the fight. They open that song. Uh, they open that. They do their opening theme, and then they go into uh, the Kinks' "Living on a Thin Line." Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was brilliant how they just paired that with the opening scene at the bottom bang. Um, so I, I, you know, I could see how Chase maybe, maybe that was what he had originally had in mind to do that. Right. But I, I, I think the other thing I'll say, is I think he made. I think he was the guy who made it like cool to do this. Closing the song with a di- closing the show with a different song because a lot of other shows would follow that, yeah. Um, yeah. particularly on HBO, yep. And it's leading into that one. This was the first cable television series to win the Emmy Award for Outstanding Drama Series, yeah. I, you know, it always used to be it would be one from the big four networks for all those right. years, yeah. And that was unusual. I remember when it happened, and now it's today. You know, cable and now on demand dominate these awards. I guess. Yeah, um, that was
1: that was like the beginning of the end for network dramas, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think at it's least good. in my eyes, like I can't watch a network drama anymore because it's just too cheesy, and they can't put the content in there that makes it believable to me. Right?
0: It's so. cheaper. It's it, it's a cheaper production, is what you see. Yeah. Um, and I I, I actually believe that in the next five to ten years network TV is going to go away completely. So I think like you're seeing like NBC's got Peacock, ABC's got Disney plus and yeah. uh, CBS is Paramount. So I, I think you're starting to see that. And the best shows are going to be going to those, those, those premium services. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that was the beginning of that. And then this last one during seasons two and three, Steve Sherper had to wear a fat suit in order to play Bobby back.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, he he was really big. Remember, yeah, then, he right? was
0: he was really big. You know, like, <laughs> exactly like
1: just kind of walking in, like with his back curled back, because his you know belly was all out there. Yeah, the
0: the one scene he's walking to meet Tony. Right, they're at right. a parking lot, and uh, I guess Tony gets there and he's leaning, and Bobby leans on the car and he says, uh, "He goes, um, I think it's time for you to seriously start considering salads." And Bobby <laughs> looks at him. He goes. Get off my car you fat fuck and his, his stomach's just completely hanging out there. And then there's the other one um with Vito and him. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, Paulie goes it's an ad for a weight loss center. Uh, <laughs> right. I before. Before, before <laughs> <laughs> like I can see that. I can see that. All right. So that was our Soprano segment. Uh All right, so stay tuned. we got one more segment here, our deliberation segment. Uh, Let me get into that one. We'll do some sponsors first. Um, First, mention J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, the J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 126 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elver Hole, J.C. Newman has premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines. The J.C. Newman Pensa Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's a brick house, Pearl Del El Baton, Corman, Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tabacalera A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newman's founded the Scar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, Healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnuma.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas Cigars has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lazas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. Try the Casa Cuevas Connecticut, the Casa Cuevas Habano, the Casa Cuevas Maduro, La Mandaria, and the Patrimonial Line, as well as the Cuevas Reserva Line they don't carry it, be sure to ask for your local retailer for Casa Cueva Cigars cigars from our casa to yours. And by Aventura Cigars. Aventura the Explorer is the first creation by Marcel Noble and Henderson Ventura. Immediately after lighting up the Explorer, the Mexican rapper will delight the aficionado with its dark chocolate flavor. After a while and pleasure, the Dominican filler will flatter the aficionado's palate with wonderful spicy and leathery aromas and unite it with the wind sweetness from Ecuador. Try Aventura the Explorer and explore the wonderful experience. And we're going to get into our Industry Deliberation segment sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dunbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included seven consecutive top three top three appearances on the Half-Wheel Consensus, including number one cigar the year in 2020 with the Mikarita Tricky traka Visit DTC Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. I just smoked that tricky tracker at 448 fantastic cigar fantastic cigar that that is the best cigar i think he released to the batch at the end of last year yes it's not, getting, it's not getting the credit yeah agreed agree i was really really i i had taken one down to the dr and i smoked it and i came back and smoked another one um and i really like that cigar yeah. yeah yeah in fact the four forty eight is my favorite in the uh classic me corita line too Mm, okay. Covered. Yeah. So Aaron, before we kind of get into, I guess we were to cover um tonight, I wanted to cover the topic I had picked tonight and we could still do it if you want, but I want to mention the whole National Academy Sciences um thing today. Mm-hmm. Um was it national kind of, uh sciences, engineering and is it engineering and uh medicine. medicine? Okay, there you go. Yeah. 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 Um and then I want to talk about the cigar event. I was planning a cigar event. So is mm-hmm. that is that cool we do that? Yeah, I'm okay. if we do if we
1: talk more about the NASAM thing than the cigar event, I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm, I don't okay. I don't think I'm gonna be very good at the cigar event thing, but
0: we can skip the cigar event thing. Let's
1: we can do about... another day or what, Let's do another day. Let's do it another day. We... Yeah, it another day.
0: Because the reason I didn't know how much we were gonna know about the NASAM thing when I was planning this right. out. Sure. Um so did you watch did you watch it today?
1: I did. I, I did too. Line. I
0: actually actually yeah. blocked it off my calendar. I did watch it today. Um let's kind of so for folks who may not know what, what the purpose of this is, um, when the FDA kind of uh, was, I don't want to say they were beaten in court, but when the court told them on the whole substantial equivalence thing, uh, you got to go back and figure out your process, right. like you got to go get your, your act together, come back to us when you have this stuff defined. Um, they went ahead and they commissioned the NASA group um, to, um, to basically study premium cigars, um, and it was in particular, uh, pa- usage patterns, health risks, marketing, mm-hmm. um, kind of anything they can kind of go and um, and find out about that. And um, that that is engineering for the e, by the way. Um, so they went ahead and they, you know, this was a long process. Um, yeah. and they came back with a when when, when the show started, I, I pulled down the PDF, it was like huge, this is like 500 pages. Mm-hmm. that they came back with um so i have originally i didn't like know if i was gonna have enough information to even write an article yeah. on the 500 pages um and i didn't i based it off the powerpoint and uh the press release that went out mm-hmm. and um so so yeah they kind of came back what were some of your general thoughts of what they came back with um
1: i'll start out with the positives i guess uh yeah. that there's the Needs to be a lot more studies into various areas. Right. Uh, regards to like usage and things like that. Um, so basically there was a previous kind of study that was done in like 1998 um, that also had recommended a lot of further studies into specific areas. And I don't think any of those were kind of taken on as studies that they actually tried. Right. Um, so this kind of report uh, talked a lot about those same kind of areas that they need to focus more on. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not remembering specifically what they were, but it was in regards to usage and, um, things like that. But, um, so yes, there's a lot more areas that, that need focus on to, I think for them to actually be able to put real data to that and say, you know, this is what we found kind of a thing. Um, I, I'm not confident that any of those studies will take place, um, because I think, you know uh, the FDA may try to, may try to move forward without that additional information.
0: Yep. And they can, they don't, they're not bound by this report.
1: Right. Yeah. But you know, it, it could go to court again and they, the court could say, you know, you don't have enough information in these areas and you need to go back and actually run these studies or whatever it is. So we'll have to see if there's anything that actually occurs there. Um, the areas that I was disappointed in were in regards to, um, how they were still categorizing, uh, the effects of smoking cigar premium cigars um, with cigarettes. Um, somebody asked the question in the in the chat uh, during the presentation, um, and I'm hoping that they also submit it through the Q and A. But they never brought up that question in the kind of Q and A section at the end. But it was basically like, you know, how can cigarettes that have added chemicals smoke the same or have the same health effects as a premium cigar, which is, you know, pretty much just, you know, natural tobacco. Yeah. Um, So I think there was a big miss there in regards to them actually like looking into that. Um, I can understand where they say, you know, they're both, they both contain tobacco. Um, The other section was that they, you know, talking about how much nicotine was in a premium cigar versus a cigarette, obviously much more nicotine in a cigar because there's a lot more tobacco uh, right. A cigar is much bigger than a, a cigarette, um, but, you know, the differentiators in regards to how a cigarette is smoked versus a cigar in regards to how much of the smoke you inhale, how fast you're smoking it, over what period of time it's smoked, how frequently you're smoking them, all those things. Uh, I just think there was a lot of things missed in regards to that kind of a comparison between the two. Um, the marketing piece. um, you know, they, I think they kind of just browsed a little social media, looking at some magazines, things of that nature. And obviously, you know, you see you know uh, they took, I think a Jew estate uh, email uh, push that, you know, was sent out and it, you know, it shows a bunch of people and talking about having a fun time and all that stuff. So obviously they're going to think, you know, Oh, this is glamorizing smoking. So obviously it's bad and things of that nature. So um, yeah, I think, you know, without having the studies in, in you know, if that kind of information and in marketing is consumed by minors, um, that's that's an area that needs a little bit more on it. But right. you know, if somebody if somebody's looking to go after cigars and they see the presentation and things of that nature, like there's nothing here that's gonna change their mindset in regards to you know what their what their thoughts on it were already. People in the cigar industry are going to look at it and say, "Oh, look at these things." They're saying, you know, that it's not so bad and stuff like that. But we're not the ones that need to be convinced. It's Right, <laughs> right. It's the people that are that, against very... it, <laughs> that yeah. needs to be convinced, and there's not enough there to change their mind. So, um, you know, I don't know that this study uh, and the results uh, are going to do anything to change anything. So, those those are my thoughts.
0: Yeah, I, I that last point you make, I think is important. Um, so, I got a couple of comments. Um, additionally to that. And some of them overlap, too. So my first thing was, like, we're going through the presentation, and I see that they, they don't know what the definition is of a premium cigar. Now, that's not their fault, right? right? Because it, it's – and I wrote this today. It's 2022, and we're still trying to get a definition of a premium cigar.
2: Yeah. And,
0: and they took a definition. They kind of came up with their own. It was well, based on a lot of the ones that are out there already. So it wasn't yeah, far so, John McDavish told,
1: you know, kind of he what he did is he pulled the definition that Altria put out in their uh, paperwork uh-huh. that they sent out a while back. Right. And it was it was almost verbatim. OK. Uh,
0: what was in the Altria definition? Because It was different from the court one that, that was used. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't like none of these were terribly far. But I'm like, are we still not at this point yet? Like we've been at yeah. this for 15 years and we still can't figure out the definition of a premium cigar. Uh but I don't think they were, I don't think there was anything in there that we would disagree with what they put in there. I think it was a fair definition there. And I think the one thing, and this is the one thing that PCA started pumping their fists on today, is that they said, hey, look, you know, FDA, you need to kind of come up with uh, categories for the definitions of the different types of cigars. Mm-hmm. And you need to make sure your research is consistent among each of them. Um, so this idea of carving out a niche for premium cigars, that was a PCA's press release today. It was like, that was the headline. Did you notice that? That's what yeah. that they put in. it? What did you think of that? I'm just curious on your thought with that. Because I, I have a thought on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's okay. I mean, it's, it's nothing super strong or anything like that. Yeah. But,
0: you know. I, I saw Charlie went after it a little. Um, But I kind of agree with you. Because, again, if you look at what the PCA has been trying to do for 15 years, that is exactly what they've been like. That's the, that's the foundation of a lot of everything else mm-hmm. is let's kind of carve out a niche for premium cigars. And now here's someone for the first time that has done some scientific data and recommended it. So maybe I didn't like the fact that it was a little bit of a clickbait press release that they put out, right? But I understand why they highlighted that because that that is the foundation of the whole argument um, going forward. So I, I kind of, don't, I don't, I don't, there's things that can, you know, we, we pick on the PCA and I know Jay, poor Jay's out there and he's always having to <laughs> do, but I think in this case, I don't think I'm not picking on them with this one. Right. I'm okay with yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you covered the health effects pretty well. You know, they talked about basically that, uh, Hey, they're saying cigars aren't safer, but because yeah. they are consumed majority less, it's, it's less it's less likely they talked a lot about inhaling like and i was wondering where they were going with that right yeah so at first i'm like are they saying that the usage patterns are people inhale cigars and then they said no it's people come over from cigarettes Mm -hmm. who do it right but i was getting i was like i was that was worrying me a little when i started because they talked a lot about inhaling in that presentation but the point I think they were just trying to make the point is like when when because they talk a lot about like usage patterns when someone switches from one tobacco to another. So um, but I, so that was OK. The other thing they say is that the toxins and carcinogens and premium cigar smoke are nearly identical to cigarette smoke and they're capable of you know, causing problems. But it also right. says that um, this is determined by frequency of use. And, you know, so that's a big thing. I can't validate that scientific fact. Okay, that's a scientific right. thing that I can't validate. And if the industry has a a problem with that, they need to speak up on that. You know, and they need to, someone needs to provide scientific data on that. Is what I'll say.
1: Yeah, I, I think there was also a mention somewhere in there that um, cigars could be addictive. There
0: was, and that was I heard that one, and I that was one. I'm like, I don't know where they pulled that from. Yeah. Um. And are they talking? But they said premium cigars, right? Right. Yeah. And that's the one I was like. I don't really buy that. Right. So um, and that's the stuff you got to be a little careful of because the FDA could pick and choose what they get out of this. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to hope that. Right. So um, they wrote in a press release about secondhand smoke. But I think that was a result. The press release came out I think after the presentation. I think that was a Q&A thing that came up, actually, because mm. during the like when that Q&A came up, they were kind of I don't want to say they weren't really ready for that. And they said, we, we really didn't explore that piece at all. Right. So that was interesting. All right. Marketing, because that's the part uh, you mentioned, Drew Estate. If you pull up the 500 page uh, PDF, they went after Fuente as well. Mm. Uh, in particular, they went after the iconic ad of uh, Carlos Fuente Sr. and Carlito Fuente um and what they went after in the ad saying it was available in the airline magazine which uh
1: cigar fish now in the, in the airport yeah
0: well no no the, oh oh it. The, i see I you see know the one name. that's in front of your seat you know right yeah okay so you know i could see some concern with that a kid picks up the magazine right um how many kids pick up that magazine you know i i, I don't know but that, I, that's what they they pointed out um they pointed a lot like efficient cigar aficionado was really Marvin Shankin. Can't be happy about it. If You go <laughs> through that whole report. Um, there's a lot of instances, you know, they were kind of looking at their lifestyle. This is why they went after Drew Estate. It's over lifestyle marketing. Right. Right. Um I didn't hear much about the only thing they said about flavors was they felt that the flavors could influence the usage patterns. Correct. Some of those things. So that's what they said, which, I don't think it's a big. That's nothing earth shattering that they did there. Yeah. Um. Let me ask this question. So, the whole thing of responsible marketing. You know, I could see people taking now the people who are favoring, the people doing it right. Yeah. I can see them now saying, "Oh, look, you know." Yeah. You know, this ain't look. It's it's not us. <laughs> like. Yeah. What?
1: It's the lifestyle. It's not the it's not the flavors or the yeah. Im- imagery.
0: Yeah. Now. Bear brought brought up a point on Tuesday's show. We talked about this whole responsible marketing and the whole JSK and Pravada and Ezra Zion. And he did bring up a good point. He said, look, those are very small releases, right? And how much are are people really seeing that, right? And I kind of pushed back on him in that. But then when I looked at the report today, two of the biggest companies were, were mentioned. So it kind of showed that I think maybe there's some truth to that that probably this other stuff's not getting on the radar as much that you know you know, and now some of these other companies gonna have to go into a little bit of defense mode right now
1: yeah i mean i can understand that um but you know um if you put the images in the report i don't think that there's there's not a there's not a asterisk that says you know this company sells x number of cigars a year Um, You know, so they can use uh, a a 50 cigar release uh, marketing or imagery in the report as easily as they can a a release that sells a a million cigars in a year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point on that. Um, You know, and then you know, back to the Drew Estate thing. I wasn't quite understanding why they were going after Drew Estate. And I don't think they were going after Drew Estate over use. Did I think they were going after Jewish state for look? They're permeating that stuff into lifestyle. Yeah, that's kind of how I I didn't didn't, because there was nothing to say that de twenty five was a kids festival. I mean, there's just nothing with that. Um, That's how I took it. The same with the Fuente thing. Um, Although, if if there's that case, if some kid actually picks up that magazine, I mean, he's got to be really bored, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, again, but you know, those are things that, you know, the FDA could pick, pick these things up and, uh, pick and choose what they're going to do with this. Right. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. So, um, what else do I have here? Um, yeah. So you, you think that nothing's going to happen with this, that I don't think there's anything that's, I don't think there's like any positives that's for the
1: cigar industry coming out of this report. Um, you know, I think the FDA is going to continue do it, do what they want to do, regardless of the contents of this. They're either going to, you know, continue to bring the hammer down, um, because that's their goal or they're going to decide, uh, we don't want to waste more resources on it and just kind of let it go, uh, until things, you know, get crazy again in the industry and they say, all right, it's now it's time. Um, so I don't, I don't know that this, you know, I don't. I don't think this report shows the FDA anything that says, oh, hey, we
0: got to reevaluate. No. And I think if anything, the report was was thin, even though it was 535 pages. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Um, so to me, they're going to have a lot more work to do with this. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is affecting anything going on with flavors is what I'll say. And if anything, it might have the fact that they're saying that the usage patterns are influenced may accelerate it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so I think flavored that if you're a flavored fan, um, you're, you're not going to get anywhere with that. Um, so that's what I say. I, um, I don't know what the next step is actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the FDA responds to this or they, they go back into a rulemaking. They use this as an input to a rulemaking process. I'm not really sure what, what the next step is going to be in this. Yeah. Um, but what i say is i don't think that you know, i think they're going to do what they were going to do regardless yeah. so um i don't think this is, now here, here's a question I have for you so in there they said they expected they that i guess underage usage of products was like one percent right it was really right. low yeah so does this kind of take some does pca look at this and say maybe we don't go down this road and uh, with the responsible marketing do you think they'll change their position on that
1: I wouldn't think so I don't um, think they should either. I don't yet. think, I don't think they, yeah I don't think that validates anything in regards to that um I think that the PCA's goal is just to try to eliminate uh, any potential uh things that the FDA could look at and say you know we got you we saw you doing this it's, yeah it's you know kind of a thing so I agree I, I don't I don't see any reason why the PCA would let up based on that
0: I agree. I agree. I think, like I said, um, so I think we'll see what happens is, is, I guess, the the ultimate thing that comes out of this. And um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to just stay tuned on this. But um, nothing that has me, you know, I, I, I don't think we'll see anything more this year on, on rulemaking. I think if anything the earliest, we'll see something 2023 where they come up with something. Yeah. Yep. And by the way, I just want to clarify a point for our audience. The only way the FDA announces new regulations is they put out a press release and they say they're going to publish it to something called the Federal Register because it has to go there. But that's the that's the law when you regulate. And technically, you you have to give people the ability to comment on it. So if you hear of anything coming from the FDA, it's not it has it always goes through that process. Just so folks know, because there's Mm -hmm. a little misinformation about that this week. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, it's not they're not going to send an email out. With the well, you know, they'll say they'll say, hey, on such and such a next federal, Reserve, I think usually publishes on a Tuesday. So next Tuesday you'll see this in there. And that, that's how you if you're known because I, I got a ton of phone calls on I guess that whole BCA thing when they said flavors were banned. Right. And it wasn't the case. So I just yeah. want folks to know if you if you're wondering, that's the way to check it out. Yep. And uh so let's see. Uh as far as that goes. So I guess that's it. That's uh you have anything else you want to add on that? All right. Um, all right. Programming notes. Um, no shows next week on primetime. I'm traveling next week. Um, the next primetime show um, will be on Wednesday the 23rd. Uh, we'll, we'll announce what that show is going to be shortly, but we're doing that show on Wednesday instead of Thursday. At our normal time next week, so like the week after, so I'll be the twenty third. There's no shows next week, and actually the day before, Bear and I will be having uh, we'll be doing the Lazona show with Hector and Jack. Uh, we won't be at Lazona this year, um, but we'll, we'll, we they're gonna come on the show anyway that night. So, yeah. so stay tuned on that. So no shows next week, just so everyone knows. That's why there was a lot of shows this week. Um, so I'll be traveling, and then you're gonna be traveling after that. So right, yeah. All right, that's it. Um, thanks to Tony Blotto. Thanks to our audience. Um, that is going to wrap up primetime episode 222 into the annals of history for Thursday, March 10th. Now, Friday, March 11th on the East coast. We'll see everybody the week after next. Take care, everybody.
2: See you guys.